and welcome to the To Mom podcast. My name is Valerie Propsfeld. Please join me as we encourage mothers to live their verb while also practicing self-grace. The goal of this podcast is to promote love as an action and live life more authentically. Just think about it. In five generations from now, you will have approximately 30 descendants and the number keeps getting larger and larger. We have more power as moms than we realize. Motherhood, in my opinion, is the most important job in the world. Hey everybody, I am thrilled to have my guest here with me today, Molly Vasa Bertolucci. Molly is a perinatal mental health therapist, licensed clinical social worker, and founder of Poppy Therapy. And she also is the mother of two children. Molly helps moms find confidence, calm, and connection so you can bloom in your early days, months, and years of motherhood. Molly also offers NICU courses, hosts the podcast Blooming in Motherhood, and it's a wealth of information for moms. I'm so excited to have her here with me today. Welcome, Molly. Hi, Valerie. Thanks so much for having me. It's, it's an honor to be here. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And Molly, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. So I'm Molly. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a therapist with a private practice, Poppy Therapy, focused exclusively on working with perinatal mental health and supporting women in the transition to motherhood. I live in Long Beach, California with my husband, uh, my two young daughters, and my old beagle dog. What's your beagle dog's name? Her name is Lottie or Lottie Bell. <laughs> and Aww. she's our she's our first baby. She's our she's a very, very bad dog, and we love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> so fun. Oh, yeah, we have a dog which she may or may not bark. We'll see if she she sometimes likes to say hi in my podcast. So <laughs> her name's <laughs> Juno. And she can sometimes be bad as well, but we love her. <laughs> yeah, you'll so you will hear from Lottie Bell if the mailman comes. You will hear from her. <laughs> so Molly, what brings you joy working with moms? Tell us a little bit about what you decided to work with that population and how you wanted to uh, become a therapist. Yeah, yeah. I love this question. What brings me joy about working with moms? Becoming a mother is such a monumental change. The transition to parenthood is it's life altering in nearly every way, right? From the time you get pregnant, so many of the things that make you you have to change. And this can be so disorienting. It can feel like loss. Like we hear about the this idea, the concept of getting lost in motherhood. And I think there's another way to see this as adding to your identity in your life. And it can be this really beautiful opportunity at a truly natural needed transition point. Um, and the mm. truth is, you know, you might not never, you might never go back to who you were before. There could be some pieces of you you decide to leave behind. You might decide they don't fit for you and your family anymore. But you, you do find new pieces, like new parts of yourself that you didn't even know about, you didn't know existed. And that's growth. And so... I've come to a point in my own motherhood journey and in how I conceptualize motherhood in my work to seeing motherhood as this new season, just full of growth and transfer transformation, to 
is an opportunity to bloom. And I really love getting to be part of providing moms with that solid ground that they need to do that, right? To help them navigate and step into a motherhood that really fits their values, beliefs, hopes, and dreams, and just embrace those changes as a chance to grow. And I talk a lot about helping moms find confidence, calm, and connection. And that's what I love, getting to see them grow to that point, um, walking with them as they experience all the shifts that we all do when we become mothers and to help them integrate all of that into joy and beauty and balance. Um, so yeah, it's, I'm honored to do this work. It's, it's, it's a dream. I love that. And I love the whole concept of this transformation, this rebirth, this growing. It's almost like you're the gardener and you're providing the soil or the sunlight Mm -hmm. like for us to bloom and giving moms those resources, providing them those resources. And it's, it is a transformation. And sometimes we have winters and sometimes we have full-blown summers and we can bloom, but you know, it's just, I, I love that. I think that's just so applicable for moms and I'm so glad that you're doing the work that you're doing. You are a NICU mom. I know that I have such connection with you mm-hmm. from, I'm also a NICU mom. I, I heard a little bit about your story and I just felt like it was so um, helpful to hear. Can you tell with us or share with us our listeners about your experience? Yeah. As NICU moms have a special bond, don't we? Yes, we do. Yeah, we've yeah. When you've been through it, you 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 have a you do have a connection. Yeah, my first daughter mm-hmm. is a NICU graduate, and she was born full term. Actually, about sixty percent of babies in NICU are full term, but I think most of us think of preterm babies in the NICU. Um, but she was born full term, mm-hmm. but we went through a very difficult labor and delivery together, and she was born unresponsive, not breathing. She had to be resuscitated. And then we very naively thought that was the end of our troubles. Um, But we took her home and over the course of a very intense, dramatic day and a half, we learned that she was having seizures and she was taken by ambulance to County Hospital here in in Los Angeles. And oh man, (laughs) when we pulled up in the ambulance and just from the moment we arrived, the seriousness, like the reality of her situation hit. As she was immediately intubated, she'd stopped breathing twice. And I will never forget the feeling of being like alone in the emergency room with my one-day-old baby who was surrounded by like 13 doctors yelling and pulling close a curtain around her. So from the jump, it was it was terrifying and so, so unexpected, like a possibility that never had even entered my mind. And she was in NICU for seven days. And from the beginning to the end, it just felt like running on a treadmill that's going too fast, like just survival mode. No time to stop and think, no time to process, just go. And this was in June 2020. So COVID was still very new policies were emerging. And that was a big part of our NICU experience that COVID was the backdrop 
for all of this. So we had limited time at her bedside with her. My husband and I had to switch off. We couldn't both be there together at the same time. Um, We did a lot of talking to doctors on video calls and your head is just spinning, right? Like you're taking in so much information and trying to understand and process that information, relay that information. You're both like a learner and a teacher when your baby is getting medical care. And we had to go home every evening without her. And I would just lie in bed and visualize that drive to the hospital and just picture like sending her my love, just like this beam of light making its way from my heart in my bed down the 110 to the 5 freeway up to her tiny bed with the monitors beeping all around her. And I remember that feeling of being so far from her, but also feeling so connected to her. And we were really lucky in that even though we weren't getting answers, she was doing everything she needed to do to come home. Um, So we didn't have a lot of setbacks. Things were being ruled out, tests and like imaging things. All this was coming back looking promising. So once she was off of the 24-7 EEG monitoring, I think this was the end of like day three, I could hold her and try to breastfeed her. And that's one of those big, big milestones in the NICU, getting to hold your baby. So that really stands out as such a sweet relief. Mm. And my husband um, got to hold her skin to skin on Father's Day. And that was really, really special. And it was, we just had the best, best medical care there, but also just like such supportive care. Um, So when there was all these nurses and our doctors were kind of in cahoots trying to like plan that our baby would be ready for Father's Day for him to hold her. And so it was just so sweet, like Mm -hmm. everyone trying to make this happen for our family and um, just like, just so, you know, when I think back, I have a lot of these difficult memories and images of procedures and being separated from her, but also just such gratitude and warmth from these glimmers, right? We talk about triggers and glimmers with trauma and some of the glimmers, the things that stand out that were so (laughs) special and where we felt so supported. And that was one of them was the staff there. Um, And also just our family support, um, like bringing us, coming from out of state and bringing us dinner every night. My sister got me a breast pump and taught me how to use it when I was like in a legit state of shock the first day. Like I hadn't even thought of that. (laughs) So um, it's a big mix of memories. You know, my sister coming to cook for us, my parents coming to sit with me all day in the waiting room at the hospital, nieces and nephews sending artwork for my baby. It was just a very, very full time, like so full of pain Mm -hmm. and joy, fear and love and so much pride. Like I felt so proud of my baby for her resilience and strength and I'm sure you can relate to that too Mm, absolutely absolutely thank you for sharing that I mean uh the triggers and the glimmers I I just absolutely relate to that and that fullness of the 
the love, the pride, but also the fear and the worry and just all of those feelings. And I one day slept overnight at a hotel close by um, and I was just so upset at myself that I was not there with my baby. Um, but I needed that sleep. I needed that. And I love the uh, how you're saying giving your baby that light, that warmth, kind of visualizing that. Because, uh, <clears throat> gosh, that is just so hard. Like, I remember, you know, the, the hardest times I've had in my life, and that definitely, like, leaving your baby is just up there with, Mm. for me, is just, it it was so hard. Um, But like you're saying, the staff, how amazing they can be. Like, I remember a nurse too, that was, uh, multiple nurses, but one in particular would sing to my baby. And that's what I would imagine. Like when I was in that hotel, his song, and he would pat her in a certain way and just kind of, and I would imagine you know, myself or like pat myself and it helped calm me down. Mm. And now she is in second grade and like, we'll talk about her, you know, like her birth story a little bit. Cause she asked and she'll be like, Oh, I said like, Oh, I was upset that I wasn't there. Um, and then you were crying and I wasn't there. She was like, mom, I was fine. Like it was fine. Like I, you know, she was like, so like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's just even if we aren't in the NICU, whatever that birth experience mm. was that we imagined may not have necessarily been what it actually was or breastfeeding or bottle feeding or whatever that might be. Um, we all have a story, and I'm so um, thankful that you're able to share yours with so many moms. Mm. Now, Molly, I know in your podcast, um, you ask your guests to describe three words that to define their first year of motherhood. And I'd love to ask you those three words for yourself. What are the three words Mm. that would define or describe your first year? (laughs) I'm laughing, Valerie, because, you know, I've asked that question so many times and I have frequently thought like, what would I say? And it is so hard. And now I have like a new respect for yeah. my guests answering that question because it is so hard. Um, yeah. The three words, because there's so much to um, capture, right? Um, yes. Raw, yeah. for sure. Raw mm-hmm. is the first one that comes to mind of just feeling like exposed, tender, vulnerable so raw um life changing in all the ways <laughs> in every way um and joyful mm-hmm. just it's like a a warmth a coziness that i never had known existed like just mm. a capacity for love and warmth that I didn't have access to before being a mother. This joyful. I love that. It reminds me a little bit as it's get, getting warmer or well, we have to be more warm because it's getting cooler out or at least where we are, we're in the Chicago area. I don't, I'm sure. I don't know if the winters out in LA, um, they're probably Winter. a little bit more mild, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It, it, we're at the point right now where you, I dress my kids 
warmly, you know, with a jacket in the morning. And then by the afternoon, they're they're stripped down to shorts and a t-shirt. <laughs> yes. So we're not quite to fall or winter yet. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that in Texas, um, the Octobers where it was still like 90 out. <laughs> and um, so here, well, and actually it's more of a European thing, but I moved to um, <clears throat> to the Chicago area from Texas. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to uh, be cold again. Like, I, how am I going to deal with this cold? And in Denmark and in Scandinavia, they call this a term. And the reason why I'm reminding of reminded of this is that warmth, that coziness feeling is called. Um, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this right, but hygge or. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but hygie, hygie. Um, I am, but I also but don't know how to say it. <laughs> I've only ever read it. <laughs> I should find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think I I relate to that as a mom, like that warmth, that coziness, that cup of hot coffee or hot chocolate, the fire in the fireplace and just that uh, my third child hugs me. Like they all hug me, but like it's, there's just, she's my baby right now. So I like want to hug her for like, oh, you guys are growing so fast, but it's, it really is that, that inner warmth is just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Now I want to ask you, Molly, um, you had mentioned that you had experienced some OCD and anxiety. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know now what I didn't know back then was that experiencing yeah. a traumatic birth, experiencing a NICU stay, both of these things put me at a higher risk for developing a perinatal mood or anxiety disorder. So I ended up developing postpartum OCD, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, and PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And OCD, both postpartum OCD and just in general, it's a really misunderstood diagnosis. It took me a really long time to understand what was going on with me, even though I am a therapist. Um, An OCD is characterized by obsessions and compulsions. Obsessions are persistent, repetitive thoughts or images, and compulsions is the need to do things, um, like checking over and over again to reduce fear and obsession. So with postpartum OCD, um, there can also be a fear of being left alone with your baby hypervigilance, like a need to be on high alert to protect the baby all the time. And it's, it's not comfortable. Like I explain it, like I felt every single minute that went by because I was so consumed with fear and thoughts and needing to do things to try to turn the volume down on those, but being so tired to the bone, like of so tired of needing to do that. Um, so to make it a little more concrete in case that you know, it's helpful for people to, if this is their experience or if someone they love is going through this. One of the ways this showed up for me was around the safety for my baby in the car. So I'd be driving with her in her car seat and just really become obsessed with like this really sticky idea that she wasn't secure. Like I would think maybe I didn't shut her door all the way and that I need to, I'd need to pull over and check it. So that's the compulsion part. Like I couldn't help it. I had to check. And then I would feel sure for a a little bit, but then I think I didn't, did I check it well enough? Or I didn't check that the car seats clicked into the base and I would try to 
dismiss it and let it go, but I just could not. Like it was impossible. And so I'd have to check again and I'd have these intrusive thoughts of her car seat like flying out of the car and really vivid images of harm coming to her. And so I'd have to pull over and check again and again. Like I just could not be sure enough. And OCD is kind of sometimes nicknamed the doubt disorder because it's just full of doubt. You can't, you're looking for certainty and you can't, like, you can never be sure enough. Um, so it got to the point for me, I couldn't drive with her. And I remember lying in bed exhausted, just like weeping because I couldn't sleep. I was terrified she was going to stop breathing. And I didn't, I didn't want to, but I felt like I needed to check on her every hour. I just couldn't help it. And it, it did. It took too long for me to get support with this. I had a hard time telling the difference between what was you know, being a mom for the first time. This was all new to me, but maybe this is motherhood and I'm not good at it. Um, being a new parent in a pandemic, everyone, anxiety was heightened. Everyone was worried. So it was hard to tell what was, you know, OCD or what was just <laughs> living in a terrifying time. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I didn't know I was experiencing a perinatal mood anxiety disorder that I was experiencing OCD. But I, d- I did finally get support. And for me, that looked like an SSRI medication. Um, ERP therapy, exposure response prevention therapy, is it's the best treatment for OCD and peer support groups. Um, so for, mm. you know, another new mom, her OCD might look different or her struggle might be with postpartum depression or whatever it is. But the important thing is not to go it alone there's help and support. So I, I always say, if you're not feeling right, like if you're having a hard time, you don't need to fit into a diagnosis to benefit from support. All moms need and deserve support. And and that's available to you. I suffered for too long and missed, missed out on too much of the warmth and joy that I could have experienced with my baby without struggling so much. Absolutely. I, I, um, I completely relate to a lot of what you're saying. I also had some OCD struggles, anxiety struggles. And I, now how would you recommend moms um, reach out? Like where, where can they go for help? What, what can they do if they feel like they're having those kind of sticky thoughts or any other concerns? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, A good place to start might be postpartum.net post. Um, postpartum support internationals website they have a provider directory of therapists all over the country who have specialized training in treating women birthing people in postpartum Um, and you can filter that by your state by your insurance and um, looking for someone and you know looking for someone you really connect with the basis of therapy is connection and goodness of fit so if you try it and it doesn't feel like the right fit for you, try someone else. And that's okay. We expect that as therapists. Like not everyone's going to be a good fit. Just keep trying until you find the person who can help you um, that you fit well with. So postpartum.net, provider directory. And there's some other directories out there. If you're not sure, um, you can always look for the PMH-C credentials for a therapist. That means that they've had extensive training in supporting postpartum people in that in that really important period um and the and in perinatal in the perinatal 
period. So that's from pregnancy through the first year. So that's a good place. That's a good indicator that they could be really helpful for you if, if you're struggling. That's good to know. And I feel like it, it reminds me of just with all of my kids, how all of them were different. I mean, like I experienced those NICU emotions, that trauma with the first, I would say, where I was in shock, like you were saying. Um, so I didn't really know what I needed um, necessarily. But with my second, I was always waiting for the, the ball to drop, mm-hmm. like where I'm like, okay, I'm waiting for something to happen. So that's where my OCD anxiety kind of started to uh, flare up, which I knew it was OCD at the time because I had it before pregnancy. It just, I remember like it was kind of controlled, but then the pregnancy Mm -hmm. like made it flare up again. But I, I did do a um, specialist, like a specialist in perinatal mental health. And it it did make such a Mm -hmm. difference. I felt like it was so helpful because we talked. Yeah, it was because motherhood, it just brings out, I mean, with all the hormones and all the feelings, everything, like we don't know how we're going to react from baby to baby, Mm -hmm. from moment to moment. And I I am so glad that I received that support and that treatment, but it, it did, it it took a long time to get there. And then with my third, it was, my third was the pandemic baby. Um, So Mm -hmm. that actually happened about a year or two later. I felt like I needed more therapy and, um, you know, just with anxiety in life. So I think it's so important to talk about all of this. And I'm so glad, Molly, that you bring this out into the open for moms. And I know that you offer like, um, is it NICU courses or, or, or ways to educate yourself if you are a NICU parent um, and ways to kind of to work through it, to get through it? Yes. I'm really proud of this partnership with this um, amazing mental health app. It's called How We Get Through. And they invited me to come create a course about NICU parenting. And as we were developing the course together, we actually split it into two courses. So because to me, the NICU experience feels very split. There's your time when you are in the NICU and you're in that survival mode and you're learning and you're experiencing all these emotions. And then there's when you get to bring your baby home which is this huge celebration you've been waiting for and comes with it a lot of other difficult emotions and challenges. So we split the course into two. The first is how we get through having a baby in the NICU. And the second is how we get through bringing a baby home from the NICU. And both of those courses are available on the app, how we get through, um, as well as some workbook questions and um, reflection pieces to support you in your in your journey of NICU parenting. That's amazing. I and speaking of the resources that you have, can you tell us more about Poppy Therapy? I mean, I I just love looking through all of your website and your social media. It's it's so fascinating and interesting. Thank you, Valerie. Yeah, it's Poppy Therapy is really it really is my dream realized. So I. I get to work exclusively with postpartum women and mothers, and my main jam there is the highly individualized one-on-one therapy, and I provide that both online for California residents and in person here in Long Beach, and then some kind of fun offshoots of that have been the podcast, Blooming in Motherhood, where I get to talk 
with moms about their experiences and experts who support moms. Um, and Valerie, it was so fun to have you on the podcast talking about your experience. So maybe we can link that one. That's a good one to so check fun. out. And then I also have yeah. a an email Absolutely. that I send out weekly that um, it's called This Made Me Think of You. And it's just a Friday roundup of all the things I saw, heard, read that remind me of the mom who's in it right now. Um, so that's a way to connect with moms and, and share my thoughts and uh, provide some support in a, in kind of a more informal way. Um, Molly, what, I want to ask you another question that you asked your guests like to kind of wrap up our conversation together is um, what makes you proud as a mother? Proud and pride is so important mm. for all human beings. And we're so proud of our kids, but proud of ourselves. So Molly, mm. what, what are you proud of as a mother? Oh, I am proud of the playfulness that I have, I'm able to have with my kids. Um, and I think, you know, some of the reparenting work I've done myself as I'm learning and growing as an imperfect person and an imperfect parent and just showing up as that for my kids, parenting from a place of authenticity and connection where I don't always get it right, but I'm always doing my best to be a whole person and a safe, sturdy, soft place. For my kids to land. I love that. I love that. And I can see and hear the light that you are bringing in that warmth, like you are sending out to your baby. Like I can just see it. You're sending it out to moms and shining that light, sunlight for us to all grow. And mm. it's a beautiful and amazing work, Molly. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's like I said, it's an honor. It's I'm so privileged to be able to do this work and be able to connect with women in this just like incredibly transformative, meaningful time that does take so much strength and courage. And it really is. It's so fun and it's so beautiful. And I'm very, very lucky. Mm. And Molly, one last question for you. Um, poppy therapy, um, does that come from anything particular? Like, do you, makes me think of the poppy flower, but I didn't know if there was a story behind yeah. that. Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing because um, no one has ever asked me about the name. Yeah, <laughs> so I've thought about um, it and I actually just <laughs> like thought about it now. <laughs> yeah, um, so. And I see them behind you too. Yeah, so I come from a long line of poppy lovers. My mom's favorite flower mm -hmm. was poppies. I love poppies. You know, I live here in California. We have the golden poppy, and my daughter, one of her first words was poppy. But beyond that, even, mm -hmm. there's a deeper meaning for me. Um, before my first was born, I experienced a miscarriage, a pregnancy loss that was really um, devastating. It was really hard. And as I was going through my grief and trying to find my hope again, it was this year that we had tons of rain in the winter here in Southern California, and it caused a super bloom. And so this was in April, and my husband and I were, you know, seeing all these beautiful flowers everywhere. And my mom came out to be with me after the loss, and we went out to Antelope State 
Park, which is just this huge desert area filled with poppies, just like as far as you can see these beautiful golden poppies. And it was out there in the desert surrounded by a beauty that I really found a lot of peace and hope um, and like was able to hold both the grief of the loss and hope for the future of my family. And so just this, this moment of, again, that fullness of all the emotions and all the change that we walk through. And, and so I wear a poppy necklace and it's just become this symbol of, to me of resilience, hope, strength, and, you know, the ups and downs of life and what more could we want? Wow. Thank you for sharing that. It's absolutely beautiful. Thank you for asking. I'm I'm happy to share that. It really ties it all in together. Like you're saying that fullness, the ups and downs Mm -hmm. and the beauty of life and all, all of the life's not black and white, but all the grays in between Mm -hmm. and all the colors and the shades. Well, Molly, we have to wrap up here and I really appreciate you coming out today. I am was so excited to have you on my podcast and I know our listeners are going to get so much out of this. And I, again, check out Molly in the show notes that I'll provide. And um, I know that you will love her just as much as I do. And I hope you all have a wonderful rest of your day. And Molly, thank you again. Thank you for having me, Valerie. 